mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 15 as we continue through this action-packed gospel, the testimony of John Mark. If you'll remember with me, as we left last week in our last lesson, um, Christ had, we know that he's been arrested. He's went to, uh, to Annas, who was the high priest according to the Jewish law. However, he had been removed and Rome had put in Caiaphas, his son. So then we moved to the second phase, to Caiaphas' house. And Jesus had told Peter, when Peter boasted, If I'll leave you, Lord, and I will not leave you. And he had boasted because he doesn't know his own heart. He thinks in his heart, in his flesh, and, and standing there as a man, that he's going to do certain things. But listen to me, we do not know our own hearts. Our, it, it, it would be the most important thing for us would be to listen to the Holy Spirit and to follow close behind the Lord Jesus and allow the Spirit of God to lead us. Why? Because you know I repeat this. Romans 8, 14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. So if we're in God's house, and we are, then we should say we want to be led by the Spirit. So we should begin to have this relationship with God through His Spirit, who is very God. And begin to ask him what we should be doing. And he's going to lead us right now through the scriptures. However, Peter, he's, he's living in his flesh. He doesn't understand the gospel the way that we can understand it now. And he wants to be strong and make a commitment to Jesus and be a man's man. And he says, if they all leave you, I won't leave you. And he said, Peter, Satan has asked for you. He's asked to sift you like wheat. And this night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And, of course, we know that that word came true. They arrested Jesus. They struck the shepherd, and the sheep scattered. And, and Peter, give him credit. Listen, Peter's the guy that stepped out of the boat. Peter's the one that speaks up. Give him credit in his flesh, although the flesh needs to die. He follows close behind in the flesh. He's moving. He sees where they're taking him, and they take him into, inside the door, and he gets in because John is there also who wrote the Gospel of John, and they, they, they believe that John knew the servant girl and knew Caiaphas' family and that Peter was allowed to get in, and there he is warming his hands by the fire, and he denies Jesus three times. He does the last one with a curse and an oath, I don't know the man. I just die if, I, if I'm lying, I'm dying. You know, like we used to say in our oaths that we make. And everybody says, stand back, lightning is getting ready to hit. And so when we closed our last lesson, we had went to the last chapter of John. 
where Peter has backslidden completely, and he's with the guys. He said, I'm going fishing. And they go fishing. They're out in a boat. They've been fishing all night. And Jesus comes on the bank and says, little children. And they look, and he goes, did you catch anything? And they're like, uh-uh. He says, fish on the right side of the boat. And obviously, we should say, which side of the boat are we fishing on? See, we try to fish on the wrong side of the boat, the left side of the boat, the side of the boat that the government tells us what to do, the side of the boat that the flesh tells us what to do, the side of the boat that looks like it's the good side, but it's really an upside-down kingdom. It's really upside-down, see, because when you're doing what Christ wants you to do, it's not going to fit in with what everybody else is doing. Because if you have Christ, you have the world on this hand, and they're diametrically opposed. Because the devil is leading one, 1 John 5, 19, I know you're of God, but the whole world, the, everything lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. God has allowed that for a moment to see if you will choose him. The right hand is always the hand of power. It's the hand of authority. And you have to remember that. We want to fish on the right side of the boat, the side of the boat that the Spirit of God wants us to fish on. And somebody says, it's the Lord. So Peter dives out of the boat. And then they have a fellowship meal, and God restores Peter by asking him three times if he loved him. More than these. And that's exactly what he said. See, Peter had thought that in his pride, he was greater than the other disciples. Even if all forsake you, I will not, Lord. And we see that God is teaching him that but for the grace of God, there go I. But for anything that you try to do in the flesh, you will not bear fruit from it. Now, you can learn from it if you repent. But the Bible clearly says in John 15, 5, Jesus speaking to his boys as they went down to the garden. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remain in me and I in him, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. How much is nothing? Anybody got a calculator? Figure up nothing. See, apart from Christ, nothing. And this is what we need to learn, is that even when it looks like we're being prosperous, even when it looks like that we can go out there and slave at the, at the, at the overtime, where we can go out and do things, and, and I'm really making some mud out here, we're really doing nothing if it's not for Christ. It might look good for the world if you're on the left side of the boat. It might look like you're getting some attaboys. But really, when you're thinking about the right side of the boat and the Jesus side of the boat and being in his kingdom, it means nothing. Because everything about his kingdom right now is about reconciliation of souls. He died to reconcile souls. And all we have to do is repent. And we've seen the remorse of Peter, he wept. Not all repentance looks like weeping. But remember what happened when we looked at it last week. When Jesus was saying, do you love me? He was saying, do you unconditionally love me? The word agape. Peter was saying, Lord, you know I love you. And it was the, the, the word we use, philia, which is the, the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. And after the third time, Jesus Finally says, Peter, do you filia me? Do you at least have a brotherly love for me? He came and met Peter where he was at. And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. So God will come and meet you where you're at, but you have to have a heart to go with him. 
He's not going to come and draw near to you unless you draw near to him. When you begin to draw near to him and get into the word, prayer, and fellowship, I guarantee you that God will draw near to you. He'll open your eyes. He'll begin to lead you in the right way to go. And then you can begin to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in the scriptures, to give you power to do the work of the ministry and to be a witness so that other people can come to salvation. Because this is all about your salvation and other people's salvation. It's all about going and making disciples. So as we come back, now we're going to move to the second part of really Jesus' last night, Jesus' trial, which has been illegal. Um, We're going to move into Pilate's domain there in uh, Jerusalem. His actual house was in, his actual palace was in Caesarea. He loved down by the, by the waters of Caesarea. But he was here because we're in Passover, remember? Chapter 11, we had the triumphal entry. It's the tent of Nisan. We're, we're really in the middle of this one week of Passover and, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We're in that middle of that, those eight days. And then this is why Jesus is here. For this purpose, he has come. And then right in the middle, as they celebrated the Lord's, or excuse me, they celebrated Passover. Passover, the last and final Passover, remember he instituted the Lord's Supper. And Judas goes out and it's dark. And then they, they go out and they go down to lower Jerusalem. And we have John 15 because the, there's grape arbors down in, 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 in lower Jerusalem. And then they go across the brook Kedron. They go up into the Garden of Gethsemane where, where G, they'd often met. And then Judas meets them with a detachment of troops from the Sanhedrin, the ruling authorities. And he says, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus. And he said, I am. And they all fell down. Because there's such power in the name of the I am, the becoming one. And so when they stand back up, he says it again. And he says, let these go. And then they all fled. And they lead him away. And we had this scene where they have Judas, or excuse me, Peter denying We've had Judas betraying, Peter denying, and Jesus standing strong. And now we're going to have um, another trial, but it's going to be with the world. See, that trial was before the ruling authorities of the Jewish nation. Let's look. We'll read 15.1. Immediately in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, It is as you say. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you? But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy, But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that they should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him who is called the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him! 
Then Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison, and they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! Then they struck him on the head, and with a reed they spat on, on the head with a reed, and spat on him, and bowing the knee they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his clothes on him, and led him away to, be, to crucify him. Let's pray. Father, just in reading it, it moves us. So I can only imagine as a father, as you watched your only begotten son go through this, the heartache you must have had. But Lord, we know on the other side, the redemption that was given, the plan that was fulfilled, the salvation of those who would believe. We pray that you would help us to see clearly how to walk out that salvation and help others to come to it. Thank you for giving us the privilege of being involved with you in your ministry to the world of reconciliation. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in chapter 15, again, we're moving pretty quick. We've only got a couple chapters left here, guys. Gals, immediately, remember that word, this is the last time we're going to have it, it means straight away, remember we said this is a, 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 that Mark's gospel is a gospel of action, it moves quickly through different things, this is the last time we'll see the word uh, straight away in the King James, it means directly or at once, really quickly, in the morning, notice it was night, see they were forbidding by the uh, Levitical law to even have a trial at night. But at night they had decided that Jesus must die. At night they had taken him to Annas' house and then to Caiaphas' house. And then they had forced him to self-incriminate himself. Because they had nobody except a bunch of false witnesses. And they couldn't get them to agree. So there was a bunch of stuff that happened. Even when the chief priest tore his clothes, that was against the law. Everything that they are doing is against the law to get one. Listen, they are lawless and he is innocent. And yet they've decided that he has to die. They're upside down in their theology. And we need to be careful because this is what the devil does to us. He gets us upside down in our theology. And we begin to do all the wrong things. Look at our churches today. Look at the world today. They're more worried about the budgets and buildings and business principles. They're more worried about soup kitchens. They're more worried about everything except for the soul of a man. See, the soul of a man can only be one in the goodness of God, by the Spirit of God, for the glory of God. You cannot win the soul of a man by giving them soup. I'm telling you, we're supposed to feed the poor. I'm not picking on that part. But there's a lot of things that we do that all we do is we coddle the flesh. We protect the flesh. We give people a reason to keep living where they're at. Instead of bringing them the word of God so that they can be confronted with the truth of God and they can make a decision for God. So these chief priests, the ruling authorities of the religious people, were doing everything 
that just fit them staying in power. Someone has said, and the Bible says, that uh, uh, love of money is the root of all evil. And someone said, well, wait a minute. Is it power really it? Well, they used them together interchangeably. They used the money to gain power, and they used power to gain money. And they all used them to usurp authority over you. But what did the God of the universe do? He condescended. He became a man. He became altogether like us. He took off his prerogative of being God, very God, and he come to earth and wrapped himself in flesh to be like us, to understand what we were going through, to walk forward and be our forerunner, to be our captain, to be the, 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 the head of our uh, faith. And now he's acquainted with your grief. He understands what you're going through. And be very careful letting anybody else be head over you except for the Spirit of God through the Word of God. According to the Word of God. Immediately in the morning, the chief priest had a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and let him away and delivered him to Pilate. Now listen to me. There's a lot of stuff in there. I could probably teach on that line for the rest of the service or a couple weeks. Notice who they did not consult with. These are your ruling authorities. These are the ones that represent God that are telling you what to do about God, but they didn't consult with God. They've already made up their mind what they're going to do, that they're going to stay in power. And this man is in their way. This man didn't go to their schools, didn't learn from them. He's not representing them. And so he must die because all the people are being drawn away to him. And it's the same thing. Listen to me. This is a, this is a, a, a religious ruling system that has walked away from God. But we're getting ready to turn him over to Pilate, which is a governing system that says there is no God. See, there's those that say there is no God, and there's those that pretend like they're serving God, and their system is just as demonic as the other. And then there's those who are being led by the Spirit of God. And I pray that that is what we are. We're asking the Spirit of God to lead us in the Word of God for the glory of God. Not pretending in religion. Not following man. And certainly not following what the government would tell us to do. All of it must be counted suspect. So they didn't consult with God. They consulted among themselves. And, and I've, I always give this warning. I give this warning every time I get to this place. Even if I only seek counsel, I see me and my wife counsel each other. We talk to each other. But if I only seek counsel from my wife and I don't get it from anybody else, I might err because we both want the same thing. We become one vessel in Christ. And we both desire the same things. So in the multitude of counselor, you should wage your war. In other words, you can't just do it real quickly in mob violence. You can't just do it real quickly because somebody says, hey, if you don't buy it today, you don't get 15% off and you won't get your windows. So you always want to pray about it. You always want to spend time with it. You always want to make sure you're not being forced to do something just because of the emotion of it. And you always want to seek counsel from other people and be willing to humble yourself. And yes, you can get some worldly counsel and you go, boy, that don't line up. Or you can get some counsel that says, well, ask God. And it's just kind of general. 
But then you can get some counsel that actually gives you scripture and tells you what to do and how to wait and where to go. And it comes from the Spirit of God. But then, at the end of the day, you have to make a choice whether you're going to be led by the Spirit or led by your flesh and the desire to get other stuff. So I always tell people, don't just listen to your spouse because that's a place where you can make a lot of mistakes. Don't just listen to your pastor. In the multitude of counselors, wage your war. And make no mistake, we are at war. You're at war. You're three enemies. The world, your flesh, and Satan himself. And all of those have the footprint of Satan on them. Your flesh, we're born into original sin because of Satan. The world is underneath the sway of Satan. And then Satan, of course, sends all these demons, and he can come as an angel of light. He can come looking like, I'm from God, and he's really the Antichrist. He's really, instead of Christ, a decision that can be made that will lead you away from the Spirit of God. And if you do that long enough, you'll think you're okay, and you're making decisions for God, and you're really making them walking away from God. You think that's not possible? They're doing it. They did it. Here they are. They killed the Messiah that they were looking for, waiting upon, preaching about, and then they crucified him. But it wasn't a surprise to God because he already knew. He had already prophesied. He told him it was going to happen. Judah, or excuse me, Peter just did it. Do you think that was a surprise to Peter? That Luke records that as he denied him the third time and then the rooster crowed, he looked right at the eyes of Jesus as he was being led away. Think about that as he denied him and then he looked into those loving eyes. Loving eyes. They weren't condemning eyes. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus if you walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. If we listen to the Spirit, there's no judgment. But believe me, you can be saved and have a whole lot of judgment coming up on your life. A whole lot of chastisement. A whole lot of problems because you reap what you sow. But when you learn to listen and make the decisions based upon what the Word of God and the Spirit of God says... It doesn't mean you're going to be without suffering or persecution, but there's absolutely no judgment from God. But the world's not going to like it. They don't like it here. So they didn't consult with the number one person that the people of God should always consult with. And if the people of God are not telling you to consult with God and His Word, then you might want to run from those people. Because you should always be in the word, prayer, and fellowship. You should always be seeking the voice of God. You should always be seeking to do the will of God. It doesn't matter what the American dream says. It doesn't matter what Donald Trump or Joe Biden says. What matters is what God says. Who are you consulting with? Look, they got the whole council. They make the decisions around here. The Sanhedrin, 70 people made up of Pharisees and Sadducees with the high priest, the head of all of them. And who's the high priest? The one that the government has made the high priest. Rome made Caiaphas, which was the son-in-law of Annas. And it was a position that lasted for a lifetime. When you were the high priest, you are the high priest till you died. But Rome didn't like Annas because he was like a godfather. He was so corrupt, but they convinced him to appoint my son-in-law. Caiaphas, it's 
So the whole council, look what they did. They bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Hold on to that word bound. They bound him. You know why? Because the sacrifice had to be bound according to Psalms 118. The burnt offering would be bound and laid on the altar. Fully dedicated. But it wasn't nails that held him to the cross. It wasn't the ropes that bound him that caused him to lead away. It was his love for you and me. He was the God of the universe in flesh. He could have snapped the ropes. He allowed Samson to have power to snap ropes and defeat armies. He could have called legions of angels. This purpose he came for. To die for the sins of the world. He was bound by the will of God. He was bound by the love of God. He was bound because he was the anointed of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was led away and delivered to the government. Why is that? Well, they say that Israel could not enforce the death penalty. Even though under law they were told certain things like blasphemy, which is what they accused him of in his. He blasphemed God because he was the son of God, he said. So he committed blasphemy before the Jewish priest, according to them, when in fact, when he ripped his clothes, that was blasphemy. That was uh, an offense that was uh, uh, egregious to God. And so they want him to die. They've decided in their heart he's going to die. But they can't do it for two reasons. One, they say Rome took their right to kill capital punishment. I don't know how much I completely agree with that because it didn't stop them from killing Stephen. They quickly stoned Stephen in the middle of the street. So the bigger reason is, is that we're on Passover. It's Passover weekend. If they wish to kill him themselves, they would make themselves defiled for seven days and they couldn't finish celebrating the Passover and play their religion and pretend like they were worshiping God. So it would take them out of their character. In fact, it's going to tell us that they didn't go into the praetorium because it would defile them to be in a place where the earthly government was making judgments. It would defile them. It was Passover weekend. See, they were so worried on the one hand in their religion that, that they were going to be defiled, so they went to church. And yet, when they went to church, they heard the truth, and they seen the truth standing in front of them, and they said, kill him. I don't want to hear that. And it's the way that the false church of today works. The culturanity that we talk about. You hear truth, you throw it out, and you keep doing exactly what you've been doing. You've already decided to kill Jesus. You've already decided that he must be crucified. And I'm going to do what I want to do. This is what so many churches in America has done today. They deliver Jesus to the government. They, 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 they teach what the government will allow. They want to be politically correct. They want to preach what makes people feel good and tickles their ears. And it's a form of godliness which denies the power thereof. And they deliver their lives and their sheep and their churches over to the culture and to the government instead of standing. Make no mistake, God knew it was going to happen. He said apostasy has to happen. The falling away from the faith has to happen before the son of lawlessness can appear. 
And we're right there at that moment. It's coming soon as we see so many churches that will listen to Black Lives Matter and socialism and Marxism, and they'll preach things that have nothing to do with the Word of God or the truth of God or the kingdom of God, and they will try to make other Christians that are truly following the Bible look like they are wrong. Who are you bound with? Who is binding your hands from doing the will of God? Listen, who is binding your hands to keep from speaking the word of God? And then we're going to see in a minute that somebody's bound to Barabbas. Who is binding your hands? What's keeping you from doing the will of God today, from following the spirit of God? See, because God has all power in the universe. God has all power in the universe. He's given you gifts. He's given you truth. He's given you salvation. He set you free. You, you are free to go. But we allow a lie. We allow a government. We allow some other system to tell us that we need to be afraid or we need to be cautious. And we allow them to lead us away bound. There's only one guy that died for the sins of the world that was, allow, was supposed to allow the government to lead him away bound. And so that he could die on a cross for our sins. That was to set us free. Who is binding your hands today to keep you from reading the Word of God, to keep you from praying, to keep you from being in fellowship, to keep you from being led by the Spirit of God and telling other peoples about the God who has set you free? Who's binding your hands? Something is. It's not sin. Jesus paid for your sin. So it has to be a mindset listening to a lie because the power of sin has been defeated. I'm not saying we don't commit sin, but it's already been paid for. So it doesn't keep you from the will of God. It's the lie. It's who your head is. It's who your authority is. It's who you're chained to. Or your heart is chained to. They delivered him. They surrendered him. They, they brought him to prison. It means to yield up and put in prison. Or recommend that something would happen to him. To Pilate. Pilate who is the governor of that region. And, and if you read the other gospels. We know that Herod's there also. Who is the head of Galilee. The Galilean region. Because Pilate hands him over to Herod, and Herod says, I don't, when he found out he was a Galilean, he's trying to wash his hands of this. I think it's in Luke that seven times he tries to say he's an innocent man and wash his hands. The world doesn't want to kill him. They just see that they're jealous of him. See, because your, your attack isn't going to come just from the world. It's going to come more from the church, from people who say that they're religious, from people who say they're following Jesus. That's what's going on here. These are the people of God that are turning over the Messiah of God to be destroyed by the government that God allowed. They delivered him to Pilate. And with that comes the fact that they, they get to come up with charges. That's why they consulted together. They go, we can't say he blasphemed our God. Pilate doesn't care about that. Pilate is an atheist government that, 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 that says Caesar is God. 
He don't care if, if he said he's the king of the Jews or he said that, that, that he's the son of God and he committed blasphemy against our God, so we need to come up with something else. And I, I misspoke. He does care that they said king of the Jews. That's the charge. Insurrection. Being a king when there's no king but Caesar. No king but Caesar. So this becomes their charge. Verse 2, then Pilate asked him, that's why Pilate asked him this. Are you the king of the Jews? Because they said, he's claiming to be a king. He's claiming to have dominion. He says, are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, it is as you say. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Again, Jesus knows the law. He wrote the law, and he's actually... uh, not answering because there is the law that you do not have to self-incriminate yourself. And he's, he doesn't answer any of their accusations, but he does speak to Pilate so that Pilate has to make his own decisions. Listen, listen, what God says to me may not necessarily be what he's dealing with you about. The questions he's asking you about what's binding you may not be the same with me. Because it's a personal relationship. Jesus has already answered all of the Jewish and ruling authorities. He answers what Pilate says, but he doesn't answer what they say. It's nonsense. They're making up everything. They've already decided that they want him to die. But he's allowing Pilate to make his choice by himself. And if you read, I think it's in Luke, that his wife even comes and says, Have nothing to do with this innocent man. I I have fought in a dream today about him being innocent. That's why Pilate says, man, what am I going to do? I'll send him to Herod. And he brings him back. And I I don't believe it's in this text, but it's in another text where he actually goes and he washes his hand in a bowl. And he says, my hands are clean of this innocent man. But he gives them their will. He gives them their way. So the chief priests, they accused him of many things. And Jesus answered nothing. You know that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And when Satan accuses us, you know what happens? Our lay advocate, our defender, Jesus, he defends us on everything that he does. He shows his father, and I'm just speaking, it's not in scripture, but this is what we would assume. He shows his father his hands, and he says, they're covered in my blood. They're innocent. Because positionally, you and I are innocent. Even when the devil accuses us, even when we really did it, Christ already took the punishment and the pain and the suffering for it to set us free from the penalty. We can't be punished for it anymore because of double jeopardy. See, everything about earthly law, except for the bad ones, they all came from biblical starts. It all started from the Bible. We're in a courtroom, and we're supposed to be doing the will of God. And when we don't do the will of God... We're doing the will of the devil. It's that simple. There's only two wills. God's will and Satan said, I will. I is in the Greek, ego ami. Ease God out is what ego stands for. Ego ami. Who are you bound by? Who are you bound to? Whose will are you looking to do? 
Listen, if we're looking to do the will of God, it doesn't mean there'll be no persecution, no suffering, no pain, no heartache. But if we're looking to do the will of God, we have all the power of the universe with us to walk out this Christian life, to walk out our gifting, to walk out the reconciliation of souls. It's every other voice and every other lie that gets in the way of that power, that gets in the way of the Spirit of God leading us as we quench and grieve and insult and lie to the Spirit of God. Verse 4. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you or accuse you of? But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. He wondered. He admired this. And there's really, you know, listen, to make a defense... would be to try to get out of going to the cross. He knows his hour has come. This is what he's supposed to do. Could he answer and and defend himself? That's what Pilate tries to get him to do. Yes. And there we go, he's innocent. Pilate's already said he's innocent. But he knows that he has to go to the cross, to the will of God. You don't have to defend yourself when people accuse you of things. You have to do the will of God. Sometimes we try to defend ourselves when we really need to do the will of God. There's no defense there because he was going to become the biggest sinner there's ever known by taking all the sins of the world. And if he tries to defend himself, they'll set him free and then he doesn't do the will of God. So he had to remain silent. As a sheep does before its shearers, he remained silent. Because if he would have spoke, He wouldn't have been able to die for you and me because they would have found him not guilty and set him free because he was innocent. Oftentimes we speak because we're trying to defend ourselves and we're guilty. And we try to get out of being guilty. With Jesus, it's amazing, though, when he spoke, they marveled, and when he didn't speak, they marveled. Wouldn't it be good if we could be like that, being led by the Spirit? We would know when to speak and when not to speak. That's called wisdom. So you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't know when to use it and when not to use it, that's foolishness. The wisdom of God is Jesus. He's incarnate here, the wisdom of God. He knows when to speak and when not to speak, and they marvel over him whether he's speaking or not. Remember when they sent soldiers, go arrest him. They come back looking like they ate some of my wife's dessert, and they were disorderly, and they didn't know what to say. I always say, you know, when you eat her dessert, you Make you give back stuff you never stole. That's what I meant. They come back and they go, where's he at? They go, nobody ever spoke like that before. Well, what do you mean? You didn't arrest him? Nobody ever spoke like that. They marveled because of what he said. And now when he's silent, they still marvel. Don't you marvel when you're praying and God's silent? You might cry or complain or throw a fit or go act out and be chained to the world. And that, it's hard. I mean, why are you silent, God? I'm trying to figure this out. And he just says, be still and know I'm God. He just says, keep doing the natural. I'll do the supernatural. Do what you already know. Don't give up what you already know and go off and do something that you don't know for sure. Always rely on what you already know about God when you're searching even for more answers. Keep doing what you know to be true. 
the devil will try to lead you off and go do some stuff. I don't know if this is the will of God. I know that is, but I'm going to go do this because it looks good. And he always tries to get you to go do something that you're not sure of. And you go, I'm living for God, so I can do it. That's not true. Just because you can don't mean you should. Because Jesus could have said a couple words and they would have turned him loose. But that was not what he was here for. He was here to be a substitute, to be an atoning death for us. To bring us at one again. So he had to die as a substitute. A scapegoat is what the law called it in the Old Testament. So they marveled. Verse 6. Now at the feast, and they're talking about the feast of the Passover. Remember, we're during the week of the feast of Passover. Um, he was accustomed, speaking of Pilate, Pilate was accustomed to releasing. He'd give a pardon or amnesty to one prisoner to them. This was not something that was mandatory by Roman law because usually they persecuted everybody and just killed criminals. But they had started a practice. See, they would come up, Herod would come up uh, uh, to Jerusalem, and then here would come uh, uh, Pilate. Anybody that was governing, they would come there because it was a big holy day. Millions of people would be there for these festivals. They'd bring their soldiers with them. And, and if any, anybody started riots or any trouble, they'd be there ready to put it out real fast, to stop it real fast because they could lose their job. Caesar would fire them if they couldn't keep the people under control. So one of the things that they began to do as a habit was release. They would give up a pardon to be nice so that the nation would be nice. They're just making friends. So one of the things he did was release a prisoner to them. Isn't it interesting? Because everything that Jesus is doing is releasing the captives. Everything that he's doing right now is he remains silent. As he goes to the cross, as he dies, he's releasing the captives from the sin and from the wages of sin and from death. He's releasing the prisoners. And the world pretends and the world acts and the world goes through the motions, but they can't set you free. Only the blood of Jesus can. He was an innocent man and he gives you and me his innocence to anyone who will believe. He has come to set the prisoners free. Not one, all of them. Because one died, all of them can be set free. Here we see the government wanting to let one go free. Here we see man, the religious authorities, have decided that one must die for the whole nation. That's what Gamaliel's advice was. One must die. It was whomever they desired. It says requested in the New King James. Listen, the, the King James says, whoever they desired, that's who he would let go. It wasn't, it wasn't always like, well, you know what, that's a too bad of a guy. And it's the same thing with the gospel. Anyone who desires to come after him can take up their cross and follow him. Anyone who will believe is Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, they can be set free. It's not just for some. It's not a whom so I mean it's not a, a Calvinistic view that there's only some that can go to heaven. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Whomsoever. So whomever they requested, Pilate had a custom that he would set them free. And then we're told here in verse 7. There was one named Barabbas. 
who was chained, New King James, listen, bound. That's why I told you to remember that word. Barabbas was bound, King James. Jesus is bound. Barabbas is bound. See, Jesus is bound to the will of God because he's the anointed of God who takes away the sins of the world. Barabbas is bound to who? Barabbas is bound with his fellow insurrectionists, King James, his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion, committed murder in the insurrection against Rome, against the government. The question is, who are you bound to? See, Jesus is bound to the will of God. He is allowing the world to bind him so that he can finish the will of God, which is his anointed position of being the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Barabbas, who is bound to the father of all lies, listen to me, Barabbas is bound to the devil. He's a murderer. You're born, I'm born, bound to the devil with a sin nature that we're murderers from the beginning. We have the sentence of death upon us because we're bound with all the rest of the world, the rest of our rebels, the rest of the insurrectionists that are against God's government. See, Barabbas and them are a type of us. They're against the earthly government, but they're against government of somebody. That's what rebellion is, is you don't want somebody to be the head of you. That's what pride is. That's what covetousness is. That's what sin is. That's what Satan did. He didn't want God to be head over him and his government. But God's got a government. It's God. And then he gives it down to man. And then man has a, has a wife. And then there's a church. And in the church you have bishops and elders and leaders. God has a government that is in order. And you can follow it even though the world's in disorder. You can keep following the will of God if you're being led by the Spirit of God. And you can do the will of God the whole time you're on this earth. Doesn't mean you won't be painful. Doesn't mean you won't have to make decisions. Doesn't mean you won't be punished by the world. Doesn't mean that. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are to be crucified with Christ. See, that's where we're supposed to be bound at, to the will of God. We're supposed to be bound to the cross of Christ. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified. I have been bound with God. I am crucified with Christ. And the life that I now live in the, in, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm bound to the love of God. I'm bound to the ministry of God. Who are you bound to? You still bound to, to the rebels? Are you still bound with the insurrectionists that are, that are against everything? Or are you surrendering to the authority of God, the name of God, the name above all names, which means his character, his nature, his will, his authority? Who are you chained to this morning? That's the important thing. Who are you bound with? It says chained. I like chained better because Paul says he's, a, he's a, 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 an ambassador in chains when he's in prison. And he's writing people letters outside to, to encourage them. And here he is in a Roman prison getting ready to have his head cut off. But he's chained to the will of God. Are you chained and bound to the will of God? Or are you chained and still bound to Barabbas? See, if you're chained and bound to Barabbas, you're still in rebellion to God. You're still in rebellion, even to earthly governments. You're still dead in your sins and trespasses.
You have to make a conscious decision who you're going to be bound with. You're going to be led by the Spirit of God and bound with Christ at the cross. Paul writing to the church in Rome before he ever went there and was arrested. Well, he was arrested in Jerusalem and then shipwrecked and long trip. He ends up in Rome. He says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he said, I beseech you, I urge you, I plead with you, brethren, considering the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. Listen, are you bound to the will of God? Then you have to surrender yourself as a living sacrifice. Jesus, an innocent man, became a real living sacrifice. He allowed them to bind him to the horns of the altar and to die for us. Now, the problem we have is that we're living sacrifices, and God doesn't bind you. God doesn't make you. God gives you free will and a choice to whether you want to follow. So it's really easy to get up and be led away. It's really easy to get up and make another choice and to go somewhere else instead of being that offering that says, I am bound to the will of God. I am committed to this, and I'm not going to let something lead me away from this. And if it does, as soon as God reminds me, I'm running back quickly. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to repent. I'm going to remember my commitment. The problem today in the church is there's no commitments. There's no loyalty. There's no natural affection. It's just what 2 Timothy 2 tells us in perilous times. All these things would happen. But not with the true remnant, the people that want to follow God. They're still looking at the word of God. They're not getting their marching orders and turning the church over to the government. They're not turning the church over to the will of the people. To the will of the mob violence. So now we have Jesus standing there bound, and we have Barabbas bound with his fellow rebels. This is the scene we have before Pilate in a mad crowd yelling. Or they yelling? Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask. This is verse 8. It's a new beginning. 8 is always a new beginning. When I see 8, I can't think nothing but new beginning. That's the number of new beginnings. Six is the number of man. Seven is the number of God or completion. Eight is the number of new beginning. When you say 666, you have the number of perfect man, perfect rebellion of his own government. When you say 777, you have the perfect number of completion. Eight is new beginnings. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. Release a prisoner! Release a prisoner to us like you always do! But Pilate answered them saying, now listen, see, Pilate is trying to get Jesus out of this. He knows he's an innocent man. He's heard from his wife. He's been through a bunch of stuff. Herod couldn't find charges. They have no reason. And it's actually against their law to kill innocent people. People were allowed fair trials. We get all of, I mean, they got their rules from the, from, from the Bible and morality. But we get most of what we do today in the American culture from Roman law. From their procedures. We think that Rome's dead. Rome's not dead. We're going to see a resurgence of this. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's probably 
Anyway, we'll get we'll get to it. Pilate says in verse 9, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? See, because if you think about it, listen to me, rational people standing there in front of a ruler and a leader, and you look around and you say, well, what's the actions of this person? And what's the actions of this person? Listen, don't get far off because we just had this in an election in America. This is a world thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a war thing. It's an antichrist thing. What's the actions of this person? Well, he, him and his buddies just killed a bunch of people in the insurrection against the government. Well, what's the actions of this person? He's been standing in the temple telling them that God loves them. Which one do you want me to release? Pilate, being a rational man, a sinner, a governor, he's making decisions. He's thinking, surely they'll say, Jesus, he's done nothing. These guys are killers. And they say, Barabbas! What? He's like, what? Why? He's done nothing. He's an innocent man. Why would you choose him? See, he doesn't want to kill Jesus. But the ruling authorities, the church does. The religious people do. Why did he ask him that again? Because he knew, verse 10, for he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. There was no crimes. It was envy, jealousy. He knew that all the people were being drawn to Jesus and they were mad. They wanted power. They wanted to rule. They wanted to be in control. Did you guys see this happen in America? I'm just talking about parallels. I'm just talking about parallels. For the church, for you church that, that, that actually voted for Joe Biden, I, I know he was, they stole the election. I know you don't like to talk about politics in the church, but when you look at the actions of Donald Trump, he did more for the church than any president in history. He did more for not killing babies than any president in history. And then when you look at the actions of Joe Biden, when he opens his mouth, that's when you know he's lying. And he can't even complete a sentence. And I'm not dis disrespecting the office. I'm just saying the truth. And yet many of the church said, I can't stand the way that Donald Trump speaks. Really? Have you looked at what he was doing? Have you looked at what he was doing? And now watch, because persecution's coming, because we've allowed them to steal an election. Oh, God's in control. I'm not even scared. God's on the throne in my house. God's on the throne in my government. But now, everything that they did, we want to, I'm the president for everybody. Let's have unity. And then he goes in and signs 17 executive orders that all are against what I believe. Every single one of them. They're against not what I believe, but what God has said. And if Joe Biden thinks that he can say no to God and have peace, he has nothing but hell coming. And he needs to repent. All of his, all of his cabinet needs to repent. Repent. 
if they applied the same standard that they had on Donald Trump to Joe Biden, they'd already have Joe Biden impeached and in prison. He made an executive order that his cabinet could never say that the virus came from the Wuhan lab. See, because the government that he's following is the government of the Antichrist. And if you don't have eyes to see that, then you're probably just complaining about what somebody else has done. You're not listening to the Spirit of God, looking for the will of God. All you want is what your own personal feelings and emotions think that you can get because somebody's talking nice. These ruling authorities were talking real nice. They were talking real nice. They were talking to Pilate. Pilate, you're the best governor we've ever had. Can you kill him for us? I'm paraphrasing. All they wanted was power. All they wanted was to control the people. They incite the mob violence right here. They caused the mob violence. They fed the, the whole mob what they wanted them to say. You see any parallels? I don't. I'm blind. And if the blind lead the blind, they both end up in a ditch. And I digress. Satan's government will always lead to destroy and cause you to live upside down and always cause you to turn Jesus over, always cause you to turn the word of God over to the government who says there is no God. That's why you have to be led by the spirit of God in the word of God for the glory of God. They knew it was because of jealousy, envy. Listen, Pilate knew that these people were not loyal to Rome. Do you really think that the, demon, or the Democrats in office are loyal to America? Why would they tear down walls? Why would they pay for abortion in other countries? Pilate knows they're not loyal to him or Rome, that they want to do their own thing, that this guy's interfering with their mess, so they want to get rid of him. The same way the Democrats wanted to get rid of Donald Trump because the Democrats are getting the swamp drained. They're not making the same money. They're having much more problems with Donald and his policies. And listen, I'm not for earthly government. But if you don't have some type of government, you have lawlessness. And if you have a government that's of the devil, you have lawlessness. Defund the police? Get rid of soldiers? Are you kidding me? Can you really handle that, America? Can you handle that? Men don't know war. How can men in America handle it if nobody else is going to protect them? afraid to walk down the street because somebody's standing down there and you're talking about you want to get rid of the police it's ridiculous who come up with that somebody with a phd behind their name permanent head damage i'm not picking on all phds maybe somebody's got some common sense with one but who's going to protect you from that oh i forgot you're going to let them all out huh Boy, you better get you a prison and hide somewhere if you let all them criminals out. 
I, I'm sorry, I'm on a soapbox. Let me step down and get back to the Word of God. It's nonsense. It's called delusion. God give us over to strong delusion. Who is going to protect you when that guy comes to your house? If you have no gun, you have no police, and you have no prison to put him in. That means you're going to die. Just like the innocent baby in the womb, you're going to die. Only you're not innocent. You're Barabbas. You're Barabbas. Do you guys know what Barabbas means? Son of the father. Bar is always son. Abbas is father. See, Jesus is standing there, the truth incarnate, innocent, who's going to take the place of those who are the sons of the father of all lies, the devil. This is the, 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 the most epic scene of history that's being portrayed in front of us. This is not a joke. This is not, oh, they've messed up. This is eternity, and Jesus, standing there innocent, answers nothing because he knows he's going to die for everybody that's the son of the father of lies, the devil, and he willingly steps in and takes their place and releases anybody who will believe that he was the anointed of God doing the will of God. Yes, the king of the Jews, but God, very God, the anointed of God. And anybody who says no to this God stays Barabbas. They stay a murderer. They stay a re- an insurrectionist against the kingdom of God. And you will become a part of the synagogues of Satan. And you will die a death that you didn't have to die because God already died for you. You'll be cast into hell. And you think he's not just? He could not do anything but cast you into hell if you were refused to receive a free pardon. He wants to release the prisoners. He came to die in our stead. He became the scapegoat. The atonement, if you break it into three parts, at one again with God. And if you listen to the mob and you listen to the crowd and you listen to the delusion and maybe the ruling authorities, you will choose upside-downly Barabbas to be set free instead of Jesus. Because that's what we're doing. We're killing him in our culture. We bound him to the government. You know what? If he's bound to the government, then I'm going to be bound to him. Wherever he goes, I'm crucified with him. Because I want his strength. I want his power. I want his truth. I want to be his voice, his witness, and give testimony to him that he set me free. And the government has never done anything to me but put me in bondage with their lies and their deception. And they want to be God instead of God. And that's what these ruling authorities have done. They've given in to the devil's culture who wants to be like the most high God. So therefore, he stirs them up. He moves them to say, Barabbas, Barabbas. Well, what do we do with Jesus? Crucify him. What? What has he done? The will of God. This purpose he came for. Don't be afraid of the will of God. Listen to me. We are so afraid of the will of God. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God with all authority and all power. 
He's interceding for us. He's not dead. He's alive. And if you live out the will of God, they can't kill you. But if you pretend to be religious, they can kill you. And you can be cast into hell. But if you get real with this, and you're bound with Jesus, and you can be led away, and don't make no mistake, listen. As clearly as they did it in 1930 with the Jewish people, they'll probably do it in 2020-something with the Christian people. Because the devil has always wanted to kill God's people. You can take that and chew on it and meditate on it and decide what you're going to do. Or you can say, that's utter nonsense, but I'm telling you, they're coming for us. They're coming for those who would stand for God no matter what they say and would not shut up. And you can be Judas and betray him. You can be Peter and deny him. You can be like him and be bound to him. Because he died for all. Every Barabbas that there is. Verse 11, but the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that they should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, what then do you want me to do with him who is called the king of the Jews? Remember, he's speaking to Jewish people. So they cried out again, crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, why, what evil has he done? Declares him to be innocent. But they cried out all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, remember, he's a politician. He wants to gratify King James. He wants to make content the crowd, release Barabbas to them. And he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. He scourged him. Every prisoner that was going to be crucified, which was the way that they killed the most notorious criminals in that day, it was the worst way to die, would be scourged first. Now remember, insurrection or saying that he was a king is the charge against Roman government that they have to use and put in the books or Caesar might get mad that there was no reason to really crucify him. And scourging, today we call it a cleanup statement. If you've ever been in prison, you've ever been arrested, you ever make a plea bargain, they go, okay, we want to do a cleanup statement too, and you tell us all the rest of the crimes, and we'll drop those charges if you plead guilty to this one. And, and you get to clean up your whole plate of everything you've ever done while you're doing time for this thing. Except the Romans' cleanup statement was a little bit different. They would uncover your back and tie you to a post, and they would scourge you with a cat of nine tail, a, a whip of leather with, with metal and rocks and glass in it, and they would beat you. Sometimes people would die being beaten because you know what you had to do? Confess all your crimes against Rome. As they hit you. And Jesus was an innocent man. So he had nothing to confess. You and I. We would have made up some stuff. You know what I did? I was with them other guys. I was with Barabbas. Help me. Get me off of this post. But Jesus couldn't lie. So he was beaten worse than any man had ever been beaten. 
for us. See, all, all, all of God's wrath was poured out upon his son as he took our beating, as he took our wrath, as he took our punishment, as he took our curse, because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, and he hung on a tree. But they beat him. To, we're talking about a man that was like 33 years old. You know, when I was 33 years old, I was pretty buff. Now it's all fell down. But at 33, you're pretty much in the prime of your life. You're supposed to be anyway. And we're going to see next week that he couldn't even carry his own cross. He had been beaten so bad, the energy had been drawn from him, from the beating, that he carried it for a little ways, and then we have somebody else carry it for him the rest of the way. And the analogy might be that I'm carrying this message to you. Who are you going to carry it to? Who are you bound to? Who are you led by? What are you chained with? What is holding you back when the power of God is here right now for you to be a man of God, a woman of God, a child of God, a witness for God? This God that died for us, that was innocent. Are you going to stay a Barabbas? Or do you want to be a child of God? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given us power to be witnesses for you throughout Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Thank you that you've called us out of darkness and you've set the captives free. Let us be free. Lord, we want to be bound to you. Thank you that you rose again on the third day. And that's the evidence that you were the Messiah. The Mashiach of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. May we be a voice and not an echo. May we speak up and set the captives free. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I